Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, My text is from John chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 20. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Um, we heard from the Gospel of Mark, and we heard from the Gospel of Luke on the resurrection of Jesus, and we're now going to hear from John. John chapter 20, starting in verse 19. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. And he said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you. As the Father hath sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Let us pray. Lord, our prayer is that you would speak to us um, in the midst of so much. Lord, we will long to hear your voice and to be comforted and stayed by it. And we pray as we celebrate the day of the resurrection, Lord, that we would indeed be encouraged with the same words that you encouraged your people with on that day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So my message for you today on this glorious resurrection Sunday, this Easter Sunday, is simple. Yet it's important enough that the Lord uttered it twice in just a matter of seconds as he stood before the disciples, as he appeared to them after he had risen from the dead. My message and the message that the Lord has for us today is peace be unto you. That's right. Peace be with all of you today, for we live in the day of the Prince of Peace foretold by Isaiah and all of God's holy prophets. The day when every kindred, every tribe, every people and nation would come to the Lord and they would call upon him to save them. This is our time. The Prince of Peace has come and he is bringing peace as he conquers the hearts of men as well as the whole world. Peace be with you. Peace be with you all today. And I say these words to lift up your hearts 
to lift them with the wings of this immutable truth that Christ is risen. And for this reason alone, as Jesus told his disciples in John 14, for the reason alone, we above all others should live in peace. Amen? Amen. He said, let not your hearts be troubled, John 14, 1. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This was not only a promise given to them that day, but it is a promise that God has given to us today. John 4.18, Jesus continued to assure their wandering hearts with these words. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world seeth me no more, but you see me. And because I live, you shall live also. Amen? Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Today, church, we have peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that can keep our hearts and minds, as uh, Paul wrote to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. We can face uncertain time because he lives. Many of us unnecessarily carry the burden of worry, a burden God is inviting us today to cast upon him, church. Today, let us cast all of our cares on him, for he cares for us, and he invites us to do this very thing in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all our cares on him because he cares for us. Jesus went on to say more about this in John 14, about why we should not allow our hearts to be troubled. Verse 26 of John 14 said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace, I leave you. Peace, I leave with you. My peace I shall give unto you, not as the world gives, but as I give unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard it said how that I will go away and come to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. They needed reassurance as we do today. So these words carry no less weight now than they ever have. Amen, amen, amen. amen. When Christ battered body, crumbled down from the cross and crashed bloody and mangled to the ground. The shredded flesh of his back from the cat of nine hanging in a torn coil of string, the crown of thorns smashed down into his scalp and skull. It was the source of the streams of dry blood that had poured into his eyes now closed in death. A gaping wound in his side where the blood and water from his broken heart had gushed out when a soldier thrust his spear in his side, one more sign of his gruesome death. As dark as all these things seemed to them, the great crushing disappointment that he would not be the deliverer that they had dreamed of was weighing down heavily on all those who had previously had such great hope. You see, they had lived with him for three and a half years. They had worked for him and 
listened to his every word. They had abandoned their lives to follow him. All they saw had caused their hearts to soar higher with hope than any could have ever imagined possible. And so the depths of his death thrust them in were still deeper. All seemed hopeless to most of them as they scattered to avoid a similar fate of being crucified or killed for this seemingly hopeless faith that they now had to look back at in a way that made them wonder. Their hearts were deeply troubled. They were sick from their hope that had been deferred. All this, no doubt, muddied the grief that had stricken them as the most beautiful and wonderful man that they had ever known was humiliated and executed as a common criminal before their eyes and the eyes of all of Jerusalem. The mobs that had come to him for healing were exchanged for a crowd that cheered for the murder of Barabbas to be released instead of the humble man who cast out countless demons who had healed the sick and fed the hungry and had even raised the dead. Peter had already denied him over and over and over again, and he even knew Jesus, and he was buckling under the weight of his own guilt. He said, I didn't even know him. His face was distorted now and bitter with tears. None of the disciples save John the Beloved stood by Christ's mother, Mary, in the darkness that came at 3 p.m. that day when goodness himself had died. And to make things worse, if they could be worse, the city was thronged with pilgrims from around all of Israel for the great feast of the Passover. Not only had a few seen it, but the whole nation had seen it. What was normally a joyful time of family feasting and joy was covered in the darkness of this great loss. Their hearts were troubled indeed. Amazingly, yet thankfully, Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man and a member of the actual council that had called for the death of Jesus, he had been outvoted, but this man, standing against their evil plot, risked all that he had to come and see to it that Jesus had a proper burial. He went to Pilate and he begged for what remained of his body. Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. Joining him was another member of the council, both apparently secret disciples of Christ up to this point, Nicodemus, who had come to Jesus by night, as we remember from John chapter 3. Perhaps by this time he had been born again, as Jesus had taught him was necessary to see the kingdom. Joseph of Arimathea, according to all four Gospels, was looking for the kingdom and had the body of Jesus taken to a newly made tomb cut into the rock of a cave somewhere in Jerusalem. Nicodemus brought an abundance of spices for his burial. The women washed his broken body, no doubt caressing and cleaning hands that had touched and cleansed lepers, had made mud which opened blinded eyes, and no doubt Mary Magdalene paused in her labors of love on the corpse of her dearest friend as she remembered the day he touched her and cast out the devils that had bound her in the chains of her torment. I wonder if she still smelled the ointment 
that she had poured on his feet across the Kidron Valley at her home in Bethany. I under, wonder if remnants of it wafted around the air and of the dead body in the nostrils of the still grateful woman. I wonder how she felt looking at her once very animated friend and saw nothing but lifelessness, suffering, encrusted blood. As difficult to understand and conceive as it was that they, what they had just seen in this brutal execution in the end of a life that they could only see before as endless, they were certain that he was the Son of God. How could he die? But he had. That night, that first night, that Friday night after he died and they took him from the cross must have been the longest night ever lived among men on earth for those who knew him and loved him. That night, all hope was gone where hope had bloomed everywhere just hours before. The echo of Hosanna still ricocheted over those rocks of Jerusalem that would have sang out in praise for him had they not done it. And the palm branches still littered the ground leading into the king's gate on the eastern side of the city coming up Zion's hill. The blind who had just been healed and the lepers that had been cleansed that, that, that those days before when he had cleansed the temple were still a novelty to those around Jerusalem. But now, what could they say? Could they even say who it was that had touched them? Could they declare that he was the Messiah now that he was dead? Because he certainly was not. How could the Messiah die? That Saturday must have lasted an eternity. Peter now bore the weight of his denial and the shame of doing what he had declared he would never do. And then night came again. It was like the first darkness that had descended on Eden the day they disobeyed God and were cast out. It was filled, no doubt, with the same dismay that had overtaken Adam and Eve as they stood over the body of their good son Abel as he would not awaken. Wake up, Abel! But he would not awaken. What, what was this? They wondered, having never seen death. What was this? The followers of Christ declared. How can life itself die? He had given life to those that had been dead. He had called those out of graves who had been there for days, and yet here he was now, powerless, it seemed, and dead. Would they go to sleep and never awaken? Could sleep ever even come in such a time that night? They wondered as they laid in their beds in the darkness, and yet for all the grief still, Still, there was left in Mary Magdalene love. In the darkness, that late, dark Saturday night as morning approached, she awakened still with love in her heart toward the rich man's tomb in the garden where the closest human being that she had ever met, the one who had loved her, lay. Oh, beloved, but what they were trying to accept Christ himself would deny. His death could not fix him. It held no sway over him. Death in the holds of deep in the holds of eternal judgment, a living Christ was tearing the keys of death and hell and grave from the hand of the dread tyrant 
that had held them for so long as he was preaching freedom to those held in the waiting for God's great day. But his works would not keep him busy there forever, for still he had work to do in his body here on earth. And that time was coming as the sun dared begin to peek over the Mount of Olives and shine on Jerusalem's walls that the great stone had been rolled over the entrance, sealed and guarded. Guards whose lives depended on their vigilance were now deep in sleep as the warm rays of the Son of God began to arise. Resurrection was coming. Soldiers, peace be still. Sleep on. Resurrection was coming. Peace be still, sun, moon, and sky. Resurrection was coming. Mary, as you come to show me more love, peace be still to your heavy heart. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, will not always sleep as do others. Good news was on its way indeed. Gospel news. He had told them that he had come to deliver the captives. That was good news. He had showed them that he could heal the sick and the brokenhearted. That was good news. Oh, but there was better news. Oh, there was better news coming. The good news, the real good news, the good news with the capital G and a capital N, the good news of the gospel was still yet to come. It wasn't just that he was going to overcome sin, disease, and sickness, but he was about to overcome death itself. And the very best news that he had ever spoken was something that he was going to live for them and they would see it with their eyes. You might remember my message on 1 Corinthians chapter 15 a few years ago. Uh, it's one that I can't forget. Most say the gospel is the good news is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I would not disagree per se. I would just say it more like Paul says it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul's message in the verses before the passage that I'm going to read for you, uh, tell us that the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. But if you keep reading, you'll find out that it's the death, the burial, the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection. He says it over and over again. It's the good news of the resurrection that makes all the other news good indeed. For Paul put it in verse 13 of the same chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. He said, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain also. If Christ is not raised, your faith is in vain, and you are yet in your sins. They also that are fallen asleep are perished. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most misery and most miserable. Oh, what misery would reign in us, how peace would ever elude us without the resurrection of Christ. Death and resurrection are God's pathway to the glories of a time and a place where there will be no more death. 1 Corinthians 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved if you keep in memory that I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all, how that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again according to the scriptures the third day, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, 
of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James. And then after that, all of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen by me as one born out of due time. He died. He was buried. And I want you to say it for me seven times as the list goes on. He rose. He rose, he rose and Peter saw him. He rose. And the 12 saw him. He rose. And the 500 saw him. He rose. And James, the apostle, saw him. He rose. And all the apostles saw him. Thomas put his fingers in his, the nail prints in his hands and his, thrust his hand into his side. And finally, like the apostle Paul said, he rose. He arose and I saw him. I love it. Yes, it's the death, the burial, and the resurrection, but I like the way he says it. It's the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection that is the great and the most glorious news of the gospel because I love how Paul puts himself last in the list. I saw him. And the deal is, is the good news is that you can see him arisen from the dead in our lives. He can walk, arise to walk in newness of life in you you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, you who didn't know how to live, you who who know that your hands are stained with the filth of your own sin, you can arise from your own death and you can see the resurrection in you, Matt. You can see it in you. Benjamin, you can see it in you. You might go, oh, look at me. Look at the life I live. And you can say, oh, but he can live. You, you might look at your own life and say, oh, but I'm covered in blood and I'm covered in uh, shame and I'm covered in in my own nakedness, in my own ugliness. And Jesus said, oh, I was too. I was too, but there was a day that I that that when the sun rose, I rose before it, that when there was a stone that was holding me back, it was rolled away. And the best news is that I have seen the resurrection personally. And so of you, yes, the good news is the death, it's the burial, yes, it is, but it's resurrection, resurrection, resurrection. Resurrection, 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 seven times resurrection. First Corinthians 15, so also the resurrection of the dead is sown in corruption, will be raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it will be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. Oh, people of God, if we could understand this in our own lives, we would not be so depressed about our own condition. We would not be so overwhelmed at our own sin and our own depravity and our own filth. We would say, oh, yeah, it was dishonor, but it's going to be honor, and it'll be the same for you as it was for Christ. Can you hear what I'm saying, Matt? Are you listening to what I'm saying, Ben? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Are you listening to this? I don't know if this gives you joy, but it does me. I'm telling you right now, when I think of the fact, I think I get I get distracted. I get like the people did then, those, those couple days. It seems like that's my whole life. I get distracted thinking about just what they were thinking. They're like, he's not the Messiah. He's dead. He failed. He raised the dead. He could save others, but he couldn't save himself. Look, there's no hope. That's how I get to thinking about myself. And every day we get to live this out. We get to live the same story out. And Jesus reminds us that we're reminded of day. Oh, resurrection's coming. It's not just coming for him. It's coming for me. And it's not just something that... 500 will see. It's not just something James saw. It's not something the apostles saw. It wasn't just Thomas that got to put his hands in his side. It's me and it's you. 
The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, a quickening spirit. Howbeit it was not first, howbeit that was not first which was spiritual, but that which was natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man of the earth, earthly, the second man of the Lord from heaven. And as the earthly, so are they that are earthly, and as the heavenly, they that are heavenly. And if we have borne the image of the earthly, ah, uh, see, that's the part that bothers me, that I bear the image of the earthly. But he says, oh, if you have, if you've borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit corruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption. This mortal shall put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put it on and the mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up. In victory, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Everybody say, thanks be to God. But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. In the Lord, people of God know it. Your work that you work, you go, oh, it's a it's a corruptible work. It's a passing work. It's a flawed work. It's not even worth doing. And he said, oh, don't be weary in well-doing in due season. You that are sowing in corruption, you that are sowing in a failed manner, you that are sowing with filthy, sinful hands, God is going to raise us up. Oh, wow, I'm getting excited right now. <laughs> and you know what was waiting for Mary? Brother Matt, that's what was waiting for Mary. She didn't know it. She's walking in the dark, and she's thinking it's one more sad day. The best news came to Mary at the worst time. The first day of the week, John 20 says, Mary Magdalene came early. It was yet dark. She came to the sepulcher, and she saw the stone taken away. And you know what she thought, Brother Matt? She thought it was more bad news. Not only had they taken him away as her friend, not only would she not see him anymore, but now they've abused his body, and now they've taken it away, and she can't even go and anoint his dead body. She runs, and she comes to Simon, and she says, to that other disciple who Jesus loved, that one, we know his name is John. They've taken away our Lord. Oh, he's not there. Oh, where is he? Where have they taken him? He may not be able to heal me or talk to me or touch me, but I just want to go be near his body. Peter went there. The other disciple ran ahead. The other disciple outran Peter and came to the sepulcher. When they stooped down, they looked in, they saw the linen clothes were lying there, but they didn't go inside. Peter, Simon Peter followed him and went in the sepulcher, and he sees the linen clothes laying there, the napkin that was about Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place all by itself. Then John went in, 
he came into the sepulcher he saw and he began to believe that what jesus had said he was going to do that he did he hadn't seen it all he saw was the empty tomb then the disciples went away to their own home but mary everybody say but mary she couldn't leave the last place she had seen him it's kind of like when there are people that have lost loved ones that that uh, their child has disappeared and they can never move they want their child to come back and they want their child to be able to find them it's a horrible thing and i think that mary here was saying i'm not leaving i'm going to stay right here this is where he was last this is where he was this is where i'm going to be oh mary the one who had sinned much she had more love to give even then. She was the one who had love to give on this day, and that's why she came early. And now she's outside the tomb, and she's crying. She's crying, oh, I just want to be able to, to visit his body. Where is he? As she wept, she stooped down, and she looked into the sepulcher again. But this time it wasn't empty. There were two angels one sitting at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said, woman, why are you weeping? And she said, because they took him away. They took my Lord away and I don't know where he has laid him. And I'll tell you what I love about this story. I don't know. I don't know how providence works, but it's almost like the angels were there and they were supposed to comfort Mary that Jesus had risen. But Mary, she would not be comforted. She was like, that's not enough. Yeah, you're angels. And uh, she, in fact, she doesn't even believe they're angels. She thinks they're a gardener. She thinks they're somebody else. When she heard this, she turned back. She's asking. And Jesus knows that it's not going to be enough for the angels to tell him that he's going to have to come himself. And he honors this woman with being the first to see him alive after the resurrection. I think of so many people covered in their sins. They can't overcome the, the nightmares in their mind of the things that they've done. And here Jesus is speaking to you today. And he's saying, yeah, I know all the things that Mary did. And yet she was the most special person to me to be able to reveal myself to her, to be the very first one to see me. Her stains of her sin were no longer scarlet. They had been cleansed by my blood, just like yours can be today. If you don't know Christ, or if you know him and you still see your own self stained in his sin, you can be forgiven today. I don't know where they've laid him. And when she did this, when she turned back, she saw Jesus, but she didn't know it was him. Her distraught heart and mind were thinking only of the battered Jesus that she had seen, the crusted Jesus, the one that she had cleaned and prepared for his burial and wrapped in cloth. Where was that Jesus? Jesus said, woman, why are you weeping? Who do you seek? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said, sir, if you have borne him hence, tell me where he is. I will go to where he is, and I just want to go and be even with his dead body. He's so precious to me. I'll go there. Oh, Mary of much love, Jesus 
has a gift for you today. Jesus said, Mary, all he had to do was call her by name. And that's what God is doing to you. And that's what he's doing to me. He's saying, Andrea, he's saying, Nathaniel, Matthew. And maybe we can shake out of our own uh, view of ourselves and our own pain of ourselves and our own difficulty. And we can receive the gift of the resurrection today. Oh, Mary of much love, Jesus has a gift for you. Oh, you who loved him, he has a gift for you too, Mary. And as she turned, she said, Rabboni, Master. She knew it was Christ. Mary Magdalene then came and she told the disciples what she had seen. She had seen the Lord and that he had spoken unto her that same evening being the first day of the week the doors were shut we know they did not believe her here comes that crazy woman you know that one that had demons we think maybe they're bothering her again maybe she's just talking to herself so jesus had to come to them when the doors were shut the disciples were assembled for the fear of the jews jesus came and stood in their midst and you know what he said to them? Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. And then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said unto them again. I think this is amazing. He said it. Is there any word of God wasted? No. He had just said it. Matt, Vince, he just said these words. Of all the words, the Bible says if, that, that if all the words that Jesus spoke were written down, they would fill the earth with their volumes, all the things that he did and all the things that he said, yet for some reason, but the Holy Spirit has included Jesus saying this, and it even lets them know he repeats himself and says it again. Why? Because uh, we need to hear it. We need to understand that because of the resurrection, we can have peace with ourselves in peace with our sin, in peace with our death. We can have peace with all of it because resurrection is coming. And I'll read it again. He stood in their midst, peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad and they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said it to them again. Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said unto them, Receive the Holy Ghost. Folks, we can receive. The Bible says that the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Spirit of resurrection, is none other than the Holy Spirit himself. And we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You might be afraid to go tell people about Christ, but the Holy Spirit isn't afraid. That's what he does. You may be afraid to teach others, but the Bible says that's what the Holy Spirit does. He will teach. That's why we're not worried about what we have to say. God will fill our mouths when we need to say something. He will empower our hands when we need to touch somebody, and we don't have the strength to do it ourselves. This is the message for us today, people of God. Peace be unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled about anything. He has overcome the world. He has overcome your sins. He has 
satisfied God's judgment and he has overcome death itself to come to him. You don't have to overcome your sin. You don't have to overcome your past. You don't have to overcome your weakness. You don't have to overcome anything. He has overcome it all for you and has provided salvation for you. And there is nothing that you need to do to earn it. No strength you need to have to keep it. It's all about him. And that should calm the any troubled waters in your soul today. Christ is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Peace be unto you. Can you say thanks be to God? Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we hear this powerful message of the resurrection echoing in our hearts this morning. I pray, dear God, that we would celebrate it, that we would celebrate it by not feeling guilty about our sins, that we would celebrate it by not comparing ourselves, that we would celebrate it by not examining ourselves, but instead we would look at your hands we would look at your side. We would look at your glorified body and remember that we don't have that body now. We still walk in a in this flesh, but there will be a day for us like there was for you. And the resurrection is coming. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.